This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. morning and welcome to Dollars and Change. This is Catherine Klein. I'm the Vice Dean for Social Impact here at Wharton. And I'm Cheryl Kuhlman and I work with Catherine Klein at the Social Impact Initiative. And we get to talk to interesting guests every week uh, here on Dollars and Change, really exploring the social impact of business. Also, and, and today we'll, I think we'll be hitting a little bit more on, on philanthropic efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, you know, interesting issues. I think there's a, there's a theme, uh, you know, emerging. You, you like to of, try to find the themes. I like to f- try to find the themes. I, you know, I was like, What's the with the red thread? Is that what that people call this? The, find the red thread. The, I don't I, know the connective <laughs> tissue. Something. I don't know. I don't know. There seems to me to be a, a, some connective tissue here. Uh, a lot of these people that we're going to be talking to, we'll tell you who they are in a few minutes, uh, are, you know, have an interesting focus on uh, both. Um, Natural disasters and how to how to respond during natural disasters, which and, is uh, entirely appropriate given everything going on. Yes, with the hurricane, Carolinas. Yes, yes, and we're feeling some of the rain in Philadelphia, as far north as Philadelphia, and, and I think farther north, uh, and and some international uh, international aid, international development. So I don't know. I'm seeing a theme. So here's we'll, we'll let our, <laughs> our listeners see if they are seeing uh, our our theme. Uh, our first guest who will join us in just a moment will be Marjo Chantro of the Better Cash Alliance. They're working on getting more people in more places to use digital payments. We'll talk about why digital payments can be advantageous um, rather than cash. Uh, Then at the bottom of the hour, we'll be meeting with and talking with Michael Carmody of the new startup Karma Delivers. He'll talk about how he's using his logistics background to help social organizations and particularly responders to natural disasters and other crises. our third, um, at, at 9 a.m., our third guest uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern uh, will be in studio with us, and that's uh, our colleague, Veet Hennish, who's a professor here at the Wharton School, who's done a lot of fascinating research, research yeah, really on good stuff. ESG investing, and really a focus on, uh, um, well, he teaches a class on corporate diplomacy, so, you know, that's a, that's a good label, and we'll dig into what that means. Uh, and then finally, in our final segment of the show, we'll speak with the CEO and president of the Red Cross, and hear about everything that is currently going on with Hurricane Florence, and what they're doing, and how the Red Cross is responding, so a great lineup. Uh, as a reminder, as always, you can reach us at 844-WHARTON, that's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Our Twitter handle is at BizRadio132. And let's get started. So our first guest, as I said, is uh, Marjo Chantreau, uh, private, who is the, um, the private sector digital innovation lead at Better Than Cash Alliance. Marjo, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. It is great to have you with us. Um, we let's start with what is the better better than cash alliance just let's start basically with that and then let's start to unpack you know why you know why what what is better than cash and why but cash is no longer king i guess yeah, yeah. so what is the better than cash alliance first yeah thank you so much so the better than cash alliance is a, a global partnership um hosted at the united nations um and it's a global partnership between governments companies and international organizations which are all committed to move away from cash into digital payments. So if you think about cash, you know, um, we can take the example of 
let's say, um, a low-income, you know, uh, woman and mother um, in Mexico, and she's going to receive some subsidies from the government or maybe a cash transfer. If all of this is done in cash, you know, she has probably to wait for the bus to come into her village. She doesn't know exactly when she's going to be paid. She has to wait in line to receive the money and then make sure that she counts um, and that it's um you know, it's the right amount. And on the government level, you know, they have to get all the logistics to bring all this stack of cash into uh, the village and the security and things like that. So cash is really seen as expensive and secure and efficient. And digital payments today, we have the technology and the innovation to um, bring more efficiency and transparency and also financial inclusion for, you know, the family that don't have access to financial services. So the Better Than Cash Alliance is really about bringing together all the right players um, in the ecosystem to make the digital um, payments ecosystem more inclusive uh, for the people that don't have access to financial services. And and when you describe, so you describe the the uh, you know the problems of cash and that it's slow and that you know and people are getting cash transfers. I would also say many of these people aren't banked, and so they're sitting, you know, suddenly they have hundreds of dollars that they didn't have. You know, and normally don't have that. You know, increases the chance of theft. It increases the chance also of, you know, of unwise purchases. With if money's coming in at a kind of lump sum, at such, right? Such yeah. right, such uneven lump sums, uh, corruption, and so on. Um, digital payments. What should I be envisioning? Like, hello, here's my Mastercard. Here's my you know my Visa. Um, yeah. What 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 should I be envisioning? Yeah, so digital payments, you know, we, we describe it into three ways, I think, uh, you know, visually. The first one is really general and uh, traditional electronic transfers for bank accounts. So if you have access to a bank account through your phone or through your internet, you can, you know, exchange money. We're also looking at all the development of uh, mobile money wallets. So when you can actually have um, some uh, money stored into your phone and you can uh, access it through your phone and maybe send money to friends, start paying bills and start paying in shops. And the last one that we're looking at is anything like you said, a card, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that is a debit card or a prepaid card. Um, that can still be in some countries the cheapest way to move away from banknotes and checks, right? So um, that's really the, the, the element that we see. And you also have more and more um, development in terms of app-based um, uh, payment processors and, and things like that. Interesting. So, so I mean, I think of the one I I have periodically used. Well, I suppose many of us have used PayPal. That would be one of the earlier one uh, examples, I think. Yeah. And Venmo, mm -hmm. and I have an app called Cash. I exactly. Don't yeah. So, so these are interesting. Uh, so, a couple of questions sparked by the, this, you know, really interesting work that you're doing. Um, number one is. Uh, do we need an alliance? I'm surprised at some level we need an alliance, um, given the attention that I'm hearing paid to these topics and given the number of businesses that are, that are going into this model, seeing this opportunity to do well and do good. I mean, this is, it seems like this is a pretty clear opportunity to do well and the, do the good. The whole fintech space yeah. you know, it continues to explode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... Yeah, I think, you know, this is this is definitely um, an area that is growing and that is the future and, you know, the train is, is rolling on this. I think we need an alliance when we come to certain countries, right, and certain um, environments where, you know, uh, in the countries that we work in, most of the time it's 70% of the population that don't have access to any terms of mobile money or, or bank accounts. So the move away from cash into digital becomes a bit more of a vision and something a bit less, 
um, obvious, uh, you know, when you're working in uh, in these countries. I think the other thing that we've seen, you know, from our members is the importance of the alliance. Um, is the fact that just one player alone cannot really drive, you know, mm. all and solve all the challenges that comes from moving away from cash into a whole digital economy. Even the government, you know, so that's how the. Um, alliance started, we started with working with government five years ago because, you know, they need to be on board in terms of move, wanting to move into a digital economy. They need to see how they can be themselves, you know, an example of starting to digitize their own payments. But then you're talking about, you know, local uh, authorities in uh, Chiapas or in, uh, you know, Andhra Pradesh. And it's down to also the civil servants that makes the payments in all the different areas. So, right. Um, then, you know, we also started to be working a lot, and that's, you know, the area that I specialize in with companies, because even if the environment is there and the financial service provider are starting to develop um, the right products, you also need the volume of payments to start to come into the platform. And it's not enough to only be paid digitally. It's also important to be able to use your money digitally by being able to pay in shops, to pay in markets. Um, to pay your bus, uh, you know, uh, to go to uh, the branch uh, or to pay your school fees um, if you are, uh, you know, another in rural areas. So this is really why you need the alliance in terms of creating the ecosystem for everybody who wants to move together um, into that uh, into that area. Right. So your point is basically... And, and it, I think the last... It does me no yeah. good to have digital money coming into my bank or my phone if I can't get that to the, the fruit seller that I want to buy some fruit from. Yes, or if I cannot, you know, pay my taxes digitally or if I cannot start paying my health, um, you know, at the public hospital. So that's why really the partnership between the public and the private sector is very important in, in driving the right ecosystem to make sure so that it arrives to the people that currently do not have access to financial services. And so how does the alliance work? Do you identify a region to go into? Do you... Do you start with a product? How, how do you how do you get some of this um, traction going in a place where the the digital ecosystem doesn't yet exist? Yeah, so that's that's all an art, right? That's right. why we're an alliance. But um, <laughs> the way we started was really, you know, as I mentioned earlier, to um, have commitments from different governments. Uh, and when we are looking at governments, we're also looking, you know, at the prime minister level, at have kind of minister of finance, like high level of, of political willingness as well. So today we have around 30 governments that are members of the alliance, and that run between India, Mexico, um, or Kenya, for example. But, you know, we also have members like Fiji, Paraguay, Bangladesh, Uganda. So it goes really across um, Africa, uh, Latin America, and Asia. And when a government becomes a member, they really take this commitment to say, we recognize the difficulties of cash, we recognize you know, how it's, it's difficult to manage and, and not transparent. Um, and we also, you know, want to develop an environment that is supportive of digital uh, payments in general, and we're going to start to digitize our own payments. So that's kind of, you yeah. know, the commitment that we get. And then from there, we can start working with uh, business sectors or with international organizations on seeing in these markets, in these countries, you know, what are other payment streams that can be um, digitized. So an example I can give you, um, you know, we've been working, for example, with H&M, the large, uh, you know, fashion company mm -hmm. that uh, is selling uh, clothes uh, a bit everywhere. 
And for them, you know, the main issue is really to look at how they can help for the workers in the factories that produce the clothes in Bangladesh, in India, in Vietnam to be paid digitally. Mm. Because if you think about it, you know, most of these workers, you have around 60 million workers in, you know, the garment industry, 80% of them are women. A lot of them are young women coming from rural areas into the city. They do not have access to financial services. They never had a bank account. And when you are a factory on payday, if you have 5,000 workers, it means you need to bring $2 million in banknotes wow. in your factory. So imagine, you know, the logistic issue, the security, the gun, the, the guards, that the, the security guards that need to be, um, you know, armed and, and so like that. And it's a lot of tension in the factory because of that. And then as a, as a brand like H&M, it becomes very difficult also to make sure that the the workers actually get the right um, amount of money, right? Because right now the only way you can trace the payment is by a page where the worker says that I have received $3, but you have no way to really check that on the day, at that moment, he actually received $3 and, you know, was not, um, right. it was not something lower. So by moving into a digital uh, record transaction, you can actually start to make sure that the workers are being paid on time and the right amount. Yeah, that's a great. It's a great example. Uh, and as I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking a lot about Rwanda, so a country I have been to often. Uh, that is really, uh, you know, very keen on you know creating this cashless economy and and and. Uh, you know, it's exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting because uh, you know the government of Rwanda is very forward-looking on on a lot of dimensions, and, and they're very interested in this. And there are yeah, and know, and it's a one of our members. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would imagine I would definitely collaborate. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I yeah. you know and I know of uh, you know I I I've, I've had the conversations with with business you know the business owners of like, oh, we cannot pay these workers in cash, and, and there's a, a, a um, Canadian. And, and entre- I think what is uh, really. I was just going to yeah. say a Canadian what entrepreneur who told me the story of you know uh, Bill, uh, a, an agricultural and now I'm forgetting what the name of the product is that they were growing in uh, in Rwanda and you know and hiring many many women from the local community and it going very well and the women were great employees and at some point they said okay we're not paying anybody we're not hiring anybody who doesn't have a bank account or a, you know a savings as a cooperative mm-hmm. account we need they need to have it in their own names. They were, you know, they were realizing that paying women can create complexities in the household because yeah. the women are making money and the yes. uh, and and but the men may be not employed, but the decision makers in the household are like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, that is just one one small example. Yeah, definitely. And and I think you know what is really interesting to go back to the alliance piece is that we are really seeing you know common themes across government and companies and international organizations that are wanting to switch away from cash. So it's really about learning for all these players together on on how to make that happen. You know best. Yeah, it's uh, yeah very very interesting. And and the points you're making about the ecosystem make uh, make a lot of sense. Um, Marjo, you're doing well. We should remind our listeners that we're talking with Marjo Chantrain. Uh, Chantreau, I'm sorry, private sector digital innovation lead at the Better Than Cash Alliance, working within the UN to really drive to drive companies away from cash payments, um, countries, I'm sorry, away from cash payments and more for the use of, uh, of uh, digital payments. Um, it would be great. This is such an interesting job that you have, um, really spanning a lot of you know, sometimes we, people talk about the tri-sector leader, right? Mm-hmm. Remember this, right? The, you know, business, mm-hmm. non-profit, somebody with... Who's, business, who can, non-profit, and government. And yeah. non-government, and, and the, the power of that, you know, when you can work across those three sectors. Tell us more about you and how you got into this this work. 
Oh, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so as you can hear and see from my name, I'm French, <laughs> and I studied finance in France. Um, but always with the idea to use, you know, financial services and, and the power of business for social change. So um, I'm coming from the private sector. I spent 10 years at Citibank, um, including seven years in their inclusive finance team, where, you know, we were actually financing and providing services to macrofinance institutions, to social enterprises, to local banks that were creating a portfolio to, you know, finance uh, small businesses that didn't have access to, to financial services. And while at Citibank, I also started to see the interest and the demand from large companies like Coca-Cola, like PepsiCo, like Starbucks, like Unilever, to improve access to financial services in their supply chain. And so I think that kind of became a little bit of my quest, you know, trying to really show the power that these type of companies, which are not traditionally engaged in the financial sector, the role that they can play into bringing a lot of the, their business partners and the community having access to financial services. So whether it's the employees that we describe on the H&M side, or if it's, you know, the small shops that distribute their products, or the smaller farmers that, you know, produce the raw materials that they use. Um, and I think, you know, for me, exactly as you described, coming from the private sector and moving now into, you know, the, the United Nations system, working along with governments, it, it's very interesting to be able to bridge these two worlds. Um, and, and really see, you know, how we can create the right partnership um, for that uh, between the financial sector, the companies, and the government. And so when you're thinking about the, the companies that you're talking about, is their driver um, largely around efficiency of, of the processing, um, around the um, making sure that they're able to keep and pay good employees? Is, is, is that the kind of – is it a business driver for them when they're thinking about the need for um, a cashless – payments, et cetera? So I think for me, you know, uh, the answer is really a mix of, of drivers. I think they are interested by, by all the different elements of it. And, and that is, I think, the, the, the power also of the digital payments and access to financial services. Because you definitely have, you know, we've, we've uh, published a report in June last year where we interviewed around 40 companies and organizations to understand their experience into moving away from cash into digital payments. And we created kind of, you know, these, um, these themes of what was the driver that they were most interested on. And we had definitely drivers around improved efficiency, uh, reducing transaction costs and productivity. We also had a driver around increasing revenues because, you know, in the example that I gave on the small shop, a lot of the a lot of the distribution and the small shop of, are constrained by the amount of liquidity they have on them, right? So they mm. can only buy so far, you know, two or three uh, shampoo bottles because they don't have access to mm, right. a line of credit to allow them to buy more and sell more. So you actually can see, you know, some increased revenue and new business model when you start to give access to financial services to your business partners. But then really the drivers around transparency and, you know, um, uh, being able to trace better and understand better the payments in the supply chain was a very important one. And also another one was the whole data um, creation around this because you also start to see and get information from a population that you before didn't have uh, any information on. So how do you actually create, you know, a new business model around that? 
And finally, the whole aspect of you know providing financial inclusion, supporting communities, supporting women, that also came at a, at a very high level. So I think for me, you know, we were talking about the tripartite and business and social change. For me today, we're still, you know, in a mix of being driven both by sustainability, by business, by uh, relationship with government. I think we need all of these forces um, to, to, you know, find the right business model to make it work. Yeah, it's so interesting. It is really, uh, you know, it's yeah, your work just cuts across so many interest areas, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. like the analytics, the analytics, the big data you're talking about mm-hmm. that, you know, that that potential. And, um, you know, again, I've, I've in some in Rwanda and other countries, I know that there's been a lot of thought about if we could track mobile um, phone payments. Uh, I I get some clue about people's credit worthiness. Who's paying? Who's paying regularly? Who's not? You know, whose phones uh, are not? Uh, you know, being turned off so for long, for long periods. When I, Go ahead. Yeah, you're you're saying you're seeing no, similar I, things. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I was thinking of, of one area which which um, links also to the agribusiness example you had earlier. One of the um, uh, case study that we looked at. Uh, it was for a tea plantation in Uganda, mm. uh, which, I mean, if you can believe it, to be able to pay their workers, they're sending money through plane. So the plane mm. drops the cash. Oh, my God. Every week. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, like, how fast can you run? They can pay the workers. And when they started to move into a digital, you know, um, they, they used the mobile money wallet in that case. So they started, of course, it was the first time these workers get access to mobile money, so there was a bit of financial inclusion. But they also started to realize that they might have some ghost workers because they started for the first time to really track who was receiving what yeah. amount. And so they started to see that, you know, the amount they were sending versus the number of people that were receiving wow. didn't match. And so they started to see, you know, things that they had not no idea before. And so that's also a very important element in terms of, of the transparency aspects of it and, and maybe being able to to you know, track more of, of those issues. Yeah, fascinating. The uh, I mean, the other the other thought that's coming to mind again, all these connections that I'm seeing with your work. Um, you know, I know Cheryl, we've talked about company branding. Yes, right. With our, our colleague here on the faculty, Dave Reebstein, has been very interesting, interested in how localities, cities, states, countries. countries brand themselves what is the brand right. and uh, you know and I think and there's such a connection here with what uh, you're describing um, with what I see in Rwanda Rwanda is very keen on on branding itself as this innovative place we're not about the genocide we're about business development ease of doing business mobile you know transparency low corruption um, and you know that and inclusion I mean, and inclusion yeah. right and inclusion this fits uh-huh, right uh-huh. in you know when, when, when yeah one can criticize Rwanda for many things and I, I acknowledge that as somebody who's you know very interested in the place uh, and admires it in a lot of ways but um, yeah it's you know the brand the brand element the branding element of you know we're open for business we're trustworthy it's transparent comes into play uh, so, Marjo, I had another question again to all these connections because I am, as I'm saying, seeing you know how interesting this work you do. It has so many different, uh, you know, uh, connections. Um, what about blockchain? You're talking about transparency, uh, you know, and and uh, of payment systems. We're hearing more and more about blockchain. Is blockchain, you know, is this something in your that you're thinking about moving towards? Do we need blockchain, or you know, like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blockchain may be coming, but right now we have ex- the systems are already in enough. good place for this. How, how are you thinking about that? No, I mean, you know, we see we see blockchain definitely as, as one of the solutions, one of the you know new way to see that. There is a lot of experiment around uh, blockchain and payments and inclusion and transparency. 
So this is, you know, definitely going to be a, a, an important driver uh, in the future. Um, we also see, you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion, especially among regulators, as you can imagine, on how to use that, how to, um, you know, use that also in a in a in a formal and, and regulators way. So we're we're also, you know, working uh, towards that with the government and and keeping a track on this. Um, so I think it's about, you know, finding the the right application of it and and making sure that it can uh, be used also for the countries that we're talking about and and the inclusion, you know, goals that we have as well. Um, and another area where we've seen, you know, a lot of traction uh, on digital payments, I was mentioning initially um, the app base. You know, we, we've, if you look at a country like China, for example, they multiply digital payments by 20 times in four years just because of innovation with, you know, Alipay, which is the equivalent of Alibaba, is the equivalent of Amazon in the U.S. Mm, so just right. by, you know, starting to have this e-commerce platform uh, driving. And that also has an impact on small and medium enterprises because they are also able and they are using these platforms, you know, to um, to transact. So we also see a lot of this and, and the whole, you know, topic of payments through uh, WhatsApp or WeChat. Um, you know, these are also elements that we see a lot of innovation happening and probably going to transform the way, you know, people get access to financial services um, in these countries. So, much more quickly than anybody thought. <laughs> yeah, it's fair, right, and very interesting, right? And then this is one of these areas where there seems to be real possibility for what people refer to as a you know a leapfrogging, leapfrogging right? Yeah. Leapfrogging technology. We're, we're going to skip. Yes. We're going to skip, you know, uh, the local bank. Um, skip over local banks. We're not. We're never doing that. Uh, so very interesting. Um, yeah, Marjo, as you've described this work, and we've you know, in, in this conversation. Um, Clearly, digital payments are coming. They're already, and, and they, you know, and, and your focus is on all the good that they do for economies, for countries, for you know, cutting corruption, speeding, you know, increasing efficiency. They're good for business. They're good for, uh, you know, they're, they're good for combating corruption, and they're good for, as you said, you know, we've talked about the the subsistence farmer, the um, you know, the small woman working on her own in a rural village, et cetera. Is there a negative here? Are we, you know, I'm just thinking you know, this all sounds, this all sounds great, great, great. And there must be some skeptics in our <laughs> audience saying, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical business speak. You know, like, no, um, definitely. That, that, that's, you know, the, a very fair and important question. And I think that's also the reason why there is a whole alliance, you know, to work, to work, to work it. Um, because it's, um, there's both, you know, issues in terms of, um, uh, security and privacy and and um, and elements of you know financial literacy, making sure that when uh, someone that never had access to financial services moves directly into a digital loan, for example, making sure that the person can understand the terms, that they have access to transparent information, that they have recourse access as well, because you know you're also moving um, a whole population into a, a digital way of communicating with the providers, right? So there is actually a, a, a lot of work being done on this. The Alliance, you know, recognizing these difficulties, we published what we call the Responsible Digital Payment Guidelines, mm. which are eight guidelines and principles that, you know, we, we know needs to be um, in place when you're looking at a responsible digital payment solution. So they are very much, you know, um, 
targeting the financial service provider and how do they organize and make sure that the you know the data um, uh, of the clients are keeping safe, making sure that the deposits that they are keeping you know are, are um, safe from the rest of the business, so people will not lose their money. Making sure, as I said, that they have access to records, that they have you know transparency and all of that. But we are really also advocating that for us, these principles need to be taken into account by the governments, by the companies, by anybody that chooses a solution and a financial service provider for this type of population. So, you know, I think this is really for us a good starting point in terms of being able to understand the different risks um, and, and what, you know, needs to be put in place for it to be done responsibly. Um, so uh, another very important element um, is the whole issue in terms of interoperability mm, of yes. these solutions, because you still have countries where you have, you know, the banking system in one side and you have the whole mobile money operators on the other one. Yeah. You cannot actually put money through, you know, through the different systems. And that doesn't really help in terms of really helping people get access to the full you know, types of financial services, not being stuck into a closed loop system where they can actually not have access to savings or, or different products like this. So there's a lot of things that need to happen at that level as well. Um, uh, plus, you know, the, the, the literacy part of it to make sure that it happens and that people can really make all the benefits of it. Right, right. Uh, a couple more questions for you, and then we'll, we'll have to wrap up. Um, I'm curious where you, uh, you know, can you give us a, a, examples of a couple cont- countries where, you know, they're they're not very far along, but you're focused and hopeful that, you know, you'll see change. Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot. I mean, the, the one which is, you know, has been definitely um, driven and, and um, seen a lot of changes is India with mm. all, you know, the push from uh, government Modi and all the aspects around, you know, linking and being able to open bank accounts and for everybody to have a bank account and a digital ID. So this is definitely a place to watch very, very closely. This is also the place where all the e-commerce players are going next after China. So you mm-hmm, have all mm-hmm. the, you know, Paytm and, and Amazon and Alibaba trying to figure out, you know, how the e-commerce is going to support payments as well, because it's still, you know, 80% cash on delivery. But there's a lot of, of potential there. So that's definitely a, a very interesting area to, to look at. Um, we're looking also, you know, closely at, uh, at Bangladesh, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. because the government also had a strong, you know, digital strategy, and, and there is um, a, a lot of different things happening there. Um, we're looking very closely at Peru, also in Latin America, um, because they have started a, a very interesting initiative where um, all the banks, um, you know, get together, a very large uh, number of banks get together to start their own um, mobile um, uh, wallet uh, operation. Uh, which is actually, you know, targeting um, the low-income population. So instead of starting to all competing against each other, they started to create, oh, you know, a whole collaborative platform, um, interoperable as well, which is which is really interesting. Um, so that's also, you know, another uh, country of, of yeah. um, interest and priority for us. Yeah. Um, and in Africa, uh, you know, we've um, we've been looking closely at Ghana, which is which is moving very uh, strongly hmm. um, on this on this topic. Uh, Ethiopia as well, with you know other uh, other elements. Rwanda, as you mentioned, it as well, um, and Kenya, of course, with the uh, with with the whole ecosystem. Right, fascinating. Okay, so one last question for you to for uh, that will ask you to give us advice for where for where we sit. Um, I'm curious, you know, again, this is such an interesting problem you're working on, such an interesting opportunity. If you step back and say, 
you know, uh, given the kind of work you're doing, what, a, what, what should business schools be teaching? Or what should s business students, you know, MBA students, undergrad, we actually have a very strong undergraduate program here at Wharton. What should business students, even if, the even if there's not a program to train people to go into financial inclusion and digital payments, what should, but if somebody who's interested and thinks this is really interesting work, well, what should they study? Well, I'm really happy to start any program on that. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's no. talk. Let's talk. No. It's, a, it's a really good question. It's a fascinating question. I think I would really, I, would, I think what would make a difference is really making sure that, you know, the whole knowledge around the financial inclusion, you know, First, what does it mean in emerging markets to be financially excluded? The fact that it's moving, but you still have 1.7 billion people that don't have access. Just, you know, making sure that people understand this reality mm -hmm. in terms of doing international business is very important. And then making sure that they see, the, you know, all that we've been discussing today, the benefits of moving into the digital payments. Because even though, you know, we know it intensively in, in a lot of the market, when you arrive in a country where it's 90% done in cash, you know, you really need to be a visionary <laughs> to, to start, you know, making it, making it happen and, and making sure that you have the right um, elements in play. So for me, it's really about showing to, you know, to the, the, the business graduates and, and every business executive that the way you make payments can have an impact. So start asking the questions um, around, you know, where do I have cash in my supply chain? What does it mean? And what can I do about it? Yeah. Fascinating. Thanks so much for talking with us. We've been talking with Marjo Chantro, the private sector digital innovation lead at Better Than Cash Alliance. What a great discussion. Thank you so much for being with us. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Michael Carmody, the CEO and founder of a, a new nonprofit focused uh, called Karma Delivers. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a moment. This is Dollars and Change. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.